This podcast may contain questionable language, will contain spoilers, and means we can finally open something exciting. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 97 of Movie Drone. I am Steve. And I am Mark. That's a little bit subdued, that one, wasn't it, mate? Was it? Uh, from me. Yeah, from me. Well, from you, yeah. yeah. I tried being yeah. a little bit excited. Yeah, you did, yeah. I was trying to think of something good to say after it, but uh, it was nothing. We've got nothing. So. Okay. How have you been this week, mate? I've been all right, mate, thank you. I've had a bit of a shorter week this week. Right. Um, rolled over my bank holiday, much to your disgust. I've only had a four-day week, <laughs> but I had a lovely day off. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> I was not happy. You was not happy, mate, was you? <laughs> what about me and my holiday? Why don't I get a holiday? Sorry about that, mate. I should be excited for you. I know, but you had like three weeks off in bed while I was going to work. (laughs) Basically a holiday. I I did, I did. You're right, you're right. But yeah, um, can release some official news. I've known for a little while now, but I'm to be an uncle again. Are you? Okay. Kids already costing me money. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Me and the missus had a bet on the sex of said child. I lost. Right. Did lost you? me an Indian takeaway. Oh, did it? The thing's not even okay. born yet. It's like the size of an avocado and it's already costing me money. <laughs> yeah, you better get used to that then, mate. Well, mm. congratulations to that. Thanks, I mean, Unky Mark. Is it? I'm a great uncle. I am. Twice. Well, you're oh, an three, three times. Three times. Shit, not twice. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't even know my own family. I, th- I you think go. you're an average uncle, mate. I don't think you're a great <laughs> uncle. Average at best. Um, yeah, I'm like loving your new feature on Facebook. You, start, you started a um, new section called Completely Pointless Creature of the Day, which I'm really enjoying. Hybrid, hybrid Creature of the Day. Right. Okay, sorry. Well, let's just bad. put it into context. You did Creature of the Day, something that you did a long time ago, and yeah. you've done it again in lockdown. Did it for a whole really year excited. once. You did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, everyone got really excited this time round. Yeah. And uh, yeah, stupidly, stupidly, I took the piss. You're regretting it, yeah. I am, yeah, a hybrid creature of the day. And You're only on day three, dead. mate. <laughs> <laughs> I got up to uh, 70 on this run and was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'll start making my own on Photoshop and no one's going to want to see any of them. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's find out how you are and then we'll find out about this opening something. Really? Yeah, okay, right. So, well, it's not, I just want to give some updates, really. So uh, well, I think we're, we're getting crochet bookings. People oh, yeah. asking people to make, yeah, people asking Jill to make stuff. Uh, this is what she made herself this week. Got the, we've got the wings on that. This, that's the flamingo. That's very cool. That's very yeah. good, yeah. And yeah, people are, are asking her to, to make stuff, like make okay. some money out of it. But the problem is my house does look like a crochet. Make money, you're going to charge for them. <laughs> 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 Only you. <laughs> oh, she's going to kill you. I know. Um, everyone still hates Jill and Animal Crossing, as far as I'm aware. Okay, she's, she's still, still the pariah, is she? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she had a bit of a nightmare this week. She had oh, a bit wow. of a nightmare. It could have been worse for her. But she lost my dog. Or yeah. our dog. I'm going to say our dog. Yeah. yeah. She didn't yeah. look happy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> two hours apparently he was gone for just disappeared she didn't tell me that she'd lost him for the first hour yeah on the fear that i was going to freak out yeah. um but yeah he didn't look the, the least bit fussed when i saw him either <laughs> it's like not he one doesn't. fuck was given 
<laughs> no, he doesn't care. But we got him back. We got him back. I don't know what he what he did. He ran in the cornfield looking for something. Yeah, oh. very very weird. And you know when you have one of those days, or say a week. You know we had a bad week, not mm. a bad week, but I mean I've had a lot on. I mean yeah. you haven't. You've been off, but well, you know you have like one of those days where something happens and it makes you feel better about what's going on. Like someone falls off a bike or something in front. Oh, of you. it's worse than that. Really? Someone someone saw their finger off at work. No. <laughs> what off? <laughs> hanging on by a bit of skin Ooh, so, uh, that made you feel better <laughs> no no listen i hope that the gentleman is all right i mm. really do i think he was a contractor so i think he's supposed right. to be using a saw yeah. but yeah i i mean it just made me feel a little bit better about the shit day i was having i i do hope that he's all right but yeah yeah my uh my boss had to go and like bandage it sort of try and stick it together oh mate it was like a real life horror movie it was yeah yeah so it's like that time the dog turned up at work do you know what i mean and i had Mm. to find that dog did you ask to lick it (laughs) i'm not freddy got fingered Uh so uh yeah so that's about it mate it's uh, it's all been a bit weird this week ups and downs sounds fun mate sounds fun yeah go on then what we got we got our i'm gonna call it fan mail it's it's not at all but (laughs) emma who came on i'm holding this up like people can see it I know you've seen right. it. Um, has right. sent us a parcel. It's taken ages to get here because of the raw mail, and but I promised I would open it live on air. I mean, she wasn't like, oh, yeah, please do that. She was like, yeah, don't, because it would be a bit of an anticlimax. <laughs> but the pressure's on us, mate. The pressure's on us okay. to act excited, and I'm sure it's going to be good. i am just got to try and get in it. Right, we got a little note. Dear Stephen Mark, it says, I've got a few goodies for you. Back when we was going to see New Mutants, at this point, I worry that if it does ever get released, the world might implode. Hopefully, these things will amuse you. I mean, who doesn't like getting random presents from strange people? Please note, there's one random item that was topical two months ago. Hopefully, it still makes sense. I would also like to point out that the two personalised items ooh, arrived processed differently, and it means one is a better quality than the other. This was not my doing. You can have the shit one. I'm keeping a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's personalised, mate. I ordered them the same and in no way indicates I have a favourite host. I've got them on my person. Sending positive vibes and socially distanced hugs from Bristol. Emma. Oh, thank you very much, Emma. Oh, blimey. That is. Right, I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. Have you got, like, girly writing like that? I imagine you have. No, mine's worse than doctors. Is it? Wow. Wow. (laughs) Right, you're going to have to help me out with one of these. I don't know what it is. Oh, this is so exciting. Mate, this is This is awesome. Bubble wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We've got a blue man, Marvel man, Captain America. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to see, but it does look like, yes, it is there with the shield. Captain America. It's a fucking Dale, mate. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is amazing. It better not be. It's not the other one. No, no, we've got the, the, assume Captain America's yours, because I'm keeping Dale. Oh, my God. Chip and Dale Lego and badges. <laughs> so you get to keep the chip one, I get to keep the Dale ones, and then we're like together forever. Right. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> well, they're actually pretty cool. That they is are actually awesome. pretty cool. I mean, um, you can have them all if you want. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy with me, Captain America. This one is for you, Steve. It's a belly button cleaning <laughs> brush. <laughs> <laughs> I do need it. I'm getting a lot at the moment. It's all falling out. Now, these are pretty special. These are when 
Emma at the movies met movie drone notebooks. Oh, wow. Mark's notebook and Steve's notebook. That is effort, mate, isn't it? It is. They're really good. That is actually really really cool. It's really difficult for me to sound that excited because I'm not actually touching them. But from what I can see on this dodgy internet video, they actually look brilliant. That is cool. Thank you so much. That is real thought on everything. Thank you so much, Emma. From what I can see from here, they actually look amazing no, and are. i'm so pleased with my oh. captain america he can join my cheech and chong and my leather face and your belly button cleaning shelf. brush mate <laughs> and I'm, I'm really excited about that <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome thank you very much emma absolutely brilliant i would um, add a photo of all that up to whatever social media um all the social awesome media. social medias that is brilliant thank you i'm a little bit touched and choked up by that that's really nice yeah no it is really that's nice it makes it uh, makes it all worthwhile yeah so leading on to that then, mate, do you want to do the thanks? Absolutely. This is thanks to Little Nick, Quad M Productions, Luke, Tim, Right Stuff Reviews, LJ Human, Collateral Cinema, Fabian Lapez, With Dummies, What Should We Watch, Comics in Motion, Ryan, Nostal Junk and Chronicles Podcast. Okay, and I've got some special thanks this week. Just people have done tags and follows and mentions and everything. So we've got Jill, Cassie, VHS Strikes Back, Safe Buyers Grace 72, Jamie Russell, Jamie Irwin, Cinema Recall, Podcast HQ, Fresh Geek Context, Mr. Positivity Wolfie T, Mouse and Wings, Movies on the Way, Oco Duro Parlay Hour, Mike, Mike and Oscar, Sean Panda Nicholson, Flick Face and the lovely Gift Giving Emma at the movies. Thank you all so much. Round of applause. Round of applause for you. <laughs> Put my notepad and stuff. That's brilliant, honest. This episode's just getting better and better because I've got a brand new promo. Awesome. Hello, my name's Jamie Irwin and I host the podcast What's Your Favourite on the Creative Control Network. Join me as I ask a different guest each week about all their favourite things. Favourite band, film, song, food, drink, animal, season, TV show, book and much more. You can find What's Your Favourite with Jamie Irwin by searching on all your favourite podcast apps. So subscribe today and check out what might be your new favourite podcast, What's Your Favourite. Did I just say the word favourite enough times? Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if you said no once? It does sound like something I would say as well. Perhaps it's too obvious that I haven't done it. But there you go. So that is the amazing What's Your Favourite with Jamie Irwin podcast. Great guests recently, mate. And the next one as well. Just keep yeah, going. I it does. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, and and he's teaching you how to play the guitar properly, which is good. So maybe I'll let you do another jingle, an updated <laughs> jingle one day. <laughs> so yeah, so that is the excellent. What's your favourite with Jamie Irwin? We've been on it, and he's got much better guests since we've been on it. I like to think that we uh, helped him get those guests by being so superb on it. But um, it's probably obviously. a lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's move on. I mean, I'm enjoying mm. this so far. So let's see what happens here. Mark's movie impression, mate. Yeah. Uh, take it you are a primed and ready. I've heard it once on the right. YouTube. <laughs> okay. Right, so just just get into it, shall we? I'll just give it a go, mate. I don't know okay, this is... what's going to come out. Let's find out. <laughs> this is Mark's movie impression for episode 97, and this is when Pilot met the Centurion and the crowd. Mm. Willis Watcher. Uh, we don't have a watcher, sir. We have no watcher. What about Wadwick then? What did they titter so? Farewell, release Wadwick. Uh, we have no Wadwick either. No Wadwick, no Wadger. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> 
<laughs> go on, go on. No one of that name, sir. No Rudolph the Wet News Wayne, dear. No, sir. Farewell, Willith Bryan. <laughs> they are. <laughs> oh dear brilliant brilliant thank you very much right? mate one of my favorite yeah. films there one of my favorite scenes <laughs> it was all right it was actually quite good the crowd and the centurion were actually yeah. quite authentic as well oh. so well done for that little Thanks, bit of mate. effort this week mate i enjoyed it that. was a little bit of effort as well but you're very welcome <laughs> right okay so moving on do you want to move on please this is the movie drone wall of shame 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 I've just given what? it some uh, echo, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Wall of Shame Challenge. Uh, we challenged Jamie Russell. We did. Last week. So, mm. we'll see if Jamie gets off of the wall in a minute. So, who are we challenging next week? Who challenges it? Yours, mate. Good. Lucky I'm prepared then. So, I've been listening to a new podcast. It's called Four Songs and a Dream. It's basically where the guests choose four songs that are personal to them and basically wax lyrical to them. And the host is a friend of the show through uh, through listening and commenting. And so I think um, because of all the lovely comments that he leaves, because he has such a great show, I think we'll challenge Sean Panda Nicholson. Cool. All right. Yeah. So question for good, next Good idea, week. that one, mate. Nicely thought out and executed. <laughs> Thank you. I'm running out of people who are being kind to us. I oh, think no. Emma might be back on next week. <laughs> <laughs> good plan, mate. My challenge. Good, good idea. Okay, right. So, uh, so yeah, that's good. So, Sean, if you want to stay off the wall, can you please have a question? Right, okay. I'm going to move on to the next section. Let's do it. This is the section that we like to call Question, question time. time. Question time. Question time. Time for the question, question time. Question time, question time. Time for the question, question time. Okay, so we challenged Jamie Russell uh, with the Wall of Shame Challenge last week. Did he deliver? Of course he did, mate. Of course did he, he did. Excellent. It landed in Excellent. our inbox, as the youngsters okay. would say. It <laughs> slid into our DMs um, and answered this. So he has put, hi, Movie Drone. Just listen to your A Star Is Born episode, brackets Terry and June. Right, yeah. <laughs> and your passionate follow-up next episode. And I have to say that I 100% agree with you. What a film. I watched it twice at the cinema and was blown away both times and I've seen it twice since and it still holds up. I would give it a 94 to 95 any day and Jamie I agree. Jesus. Um, He said he really enjoyed The Conjuring 2. I know he's listened to the Exorcist episode recently so he's done that one and perhaps a few too many banging doors but well executed and atmospheric film and gives it a 77 as discussed last week I believe. Um, And he puts there are loads of homework films that I'm desperate to see but i'm only able to watch one or two a day at the moment one or two a day is quite a lot of all the homework films you've watched what three did you enjoy the most hey guys just think i can help you out with that one hang on steve that's not you is it no that weren't me no weren't me any ideas who is that no oh look there's someone new popped someone on. in the room hello guys How hello are you yeah, we're not too bad. Obviously, you just made a, a massive entrance there, mate. This is uh, just for everyone to know. You, the gentleman who wrote that brilliant question. This is Mr. Yeah. Jamie Russell. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, guys. Are you? How are you? So, yeah, well, we're all right. I'm, I'm a bit more stressed than I was five minutes ago, Jamie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> 
This is going to be an episode of two halves. So we had the first bit was actually quite jovial, was enjoying ourselves. And then after that 10 minute break of Mark's tech disaster, it's obviously taken a bit of a darker turn. So it's all up to you now, mate, to bring some comedy back to the show. So, I mean, people don't know you. Did you find us through film stories? That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if there's uh, one positive that can come out of this, uh, this horrible pandemic, is that um, the isolation of it is have encouraged me to to look into film. It's always been a real passion of mine. And uh, I actually started by uh, opening a letterbox account and uh, just finding other sort of film friends through that. And I posted a review for uh, Goodfellas. Then a podcaster actually uh, uh, responded to me, and this was uh, Paul Mayers from uh, Filmbusters, and he said, uh, I'm, "I'm glad you like the film. You've recently done um, a podcast on Casino, and uh, there's a lot of debate about whether Goodfellas is better than Casino, etc." No, it's and, not. You know, but... Give us a go. <laughs> um, so, so, so I did, and uh, um, really just just loved it from then on. Um, and uh, so it's yeah, it's Paul Bain and Adam at Filmbusters. So a shout out to them. Yeah, the good, um, good podcast, Filmbusters. Yeah, yeah, really good. And it was really from them because. I must have been having a midlife crisis or something because I decided to open a Twitter account after that. Um, and, uh, you know, following them, that's when I encountered the film stories uh, one and I said, and uh, you guys came up. Like, yeah, I'll give you guys a go. And the rest you've is history, li- as I say. You've listened to, I think you've listened, uh, we had another listener, uh, Glyn, uh, a big mm. shout out to him. He listened to all of our episodes. I think that you've pretty much done that. We just want to know, is it some sort of self-flagellation to correct a sin from a previous life? Because most people just whip themselves. <laughs> well, you see, uh, what a... F- my favourite uh, homework films is First Reform, so maybe it is, right. you know, maybe it is okay. connected into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. well, we'll get on to this because obviously, uh, I mean, I'm quite surprised. I mean, it's a great question. I know that you've been watching a lot of the homework films, so uh, yeah. so that's good. I mean, that's the, the reason that we have that section. It's to try and give us some films that we've not seen before. Um, I'm not quite sure, really, what Mark's playing at with some of the ones that he gives me, but <laughs> we're having fun along the way. I mean, don't watch the ugly dash hound or anything like that, mate. I'll do watch it. It's awesome. <laughs> but on, on the subject but, of um, First Reformed, I've got confession. The, the, <laughs> the uh, question says three, but I could only round it down to four. Yeah, and I mean, surprisingly, I've got five, but that's probably because I misread the question, uh, same oh. as I normally do. So uh, Sound like <laughs> you, mate. Right, okay, so you're here to answer your own question. I mean, who's going to go? For, if I've got five, shall I go first, shall I? How many have you got, Jamie? Three? I've got three, but I've got yeah. honourable mentions as well. Okay. So. Excellent. Right. So I'll go first because I've got too many. Uh, my number five was American Beauty. Uh, oh. It's one that I didn't really mm-hmm. think that I would like, but it was actually a completely different film than I thought it was going to be. And I really enjoyed uh, the performances in that one. So uh, thanks very much for that, Mark. You're welcome, mate. Shall I go for number four then? Go on then. Thunder Road. Oh, it's just number four. Number four? Well, no, you just said, what are my favourite three? I haven't put them oh. in any order. I don't do <laughs> okay. orders. I've told you about this. <laughs> anyway, amazing film, produced on low budget, pretty much single-handedly produced, directed, financed, edited, acted by one person, and it was great. I think you've watched that one, Jamie, yeah? I have indeed, yeah. That is my number two. Is it? Okay, oh, so much stealing your stuff. I mean, what do you think of it then, mate? What do you think of Thunder Road? I, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought the opening 10 minutes were just absolutely sensational. I think, am I, am I right in saying that the opening 10 minutes were basically the, the short film? It was, yes. 
previously. Yes. Yeah. And so it's just something about characters who publicly humiliate themselves that seems to, <laughs> you know, rub off on me. You know, really sort of, I really empathised with him. And it's just a sensational central performance. And uh, I mean, slight quibbles with how it ended, perhaps. I wasn't uh, quite as uh, convinced with the ending, but I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant film. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, I think we all like that one. That mm. was, uh, that was mm. a great one. Story of uh, Mark's life. Yeah, pretty hard. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a great too. entrance. It's yeah. not even um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, my number four is Lost in Translation. I mean, again, quirky sort of films like that, not really my thing, but you did uh, hit that for me, Mark. Bill Murray, I loved. Scarlett Johansson. I mean, what can we say about Scarlett Johansson? I have a soft spot for a uh, great performance for both of them. Excellent. Thank you very much. Cool. Well, going for my number three then. Mine's Midsummer. Held off seeing okay. it. I don't know why we held. I think it was just a length. We held off seeing it. And I love Ari Aster anyway, but I want that. Pushed whether or not or not I wouldn't like it. And it was just stunning. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Okay. Good. Well, my number three is Light of My Life. Oh, good choice. Um, now... Of the similarities with the Leave No Trace, which I which I also liked. I think with Light of My Life, I really connected with the uh, with the central performance. Um, I thought uh, Casey Affleck was just brilliant. The opening ten minute monologue was I, I, I thought was just a lovely sort of connection scene between father and, and daughter. And I have a daughter, same sort of age, and I think it really sort of connected with me. This sort of the concept of you know doing everything to save your daughter, putting your life on the line, um, and those scenes at the end, that final scene is just brutal. And I was just uh, you know heart and mouth stuff. And uh, yeah, I think possibly another film like the thing that was enhanced because of current circumstances. You know, it, it, it did give an extra edge to it. But uh, yeah. Life of My Life was a genuine surprise. Yeah, I don't think many people have really seen that one, so uh, it's another mm, recommend lost. for that they're one lost. for people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, my number three is The Terminal, uh, another film that I didn't think that I would like. Probably, I'm, I'm probably close to saying my favourite Tom Hanks performance. I, yeah. I don't get emotional. I really don't get emotional at all. <laughs> but this was probably one of the films since we started doing this that actually did put a little bit of a lump in my throat. His life was... I did say at the time that, uh, that I, I did actually um, uh, get a little bit emotional. It's, I didn't drop tear or anything, so you're <laughs> fine with that. But, uh, yeah, thanks, mate, the terminal. Cool. My number two, Peanut Butter Falcon. Nothing. Okay. I, I don't think we should try and sell it. I think everyone should just watch it. <laughs> okay, right, excellent. It is a great film. It is really, really good. I mean, there was a couple of bits, I think, that we said that let it down a little bit. You didn't like the uh, wrestling scene in the end, I think, Mark. No. I quite liked it. I thought it was great. But uh, mm. but there you go. Right. Is it me? No, Jamie's number two. Well, we've had Jamie's number two, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Under yeah. Yeah. So over okay. to Steve for two. My number two is Whiplash. Mm. And um, oh, yeah. I've got to be honest, mate, it jk simmons my favorite performance of his i thought it was absolutely amazing um the yeah. whole film just built up into a crescendo that i loved i mean listen it, it was amazing amazing film oh, loved it. i've Thanks. just got excited that grease 2 might have made number one <laughs> <laughs> there's still space okay, my okay what's your number two what's your number one i know what your number one is mark it's brain dead isn't it new <laughs> <laughs> At least that wouldn't be in last place now after last week. Um, my number one, American Honey, mate. Blown away okay. by it. 
I can see it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it was totally mine. I don't know if you've seen that one yet, Jamie. Um, I'm going to see it. Yeah, that's that's on my list, definitely. Okay, yeah, it isn't everyone's cup of tea, It's uh, but it is a great bit of filmmaking, so hopefully you will enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know, Jamie, what is your number one? My number one Christo. is... Christo. Christo. <laughs> First Reformed. Oh, just hey. out. Good choice, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that was uh, just sensational. It's uh, written by uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, who, of course, uh, famously wrote Taxi Driver. And you can see the real sort of similarities between two central characters. So Ethan Hawke's character, clearly someone who's guilt-ravaged about uh, what happened to his son, and he's looking for redemption, and he throws himself into the service. And I was so impressed, even, you know, even by the, the look of the film, the way that the, the ratio of the film created this sort of claustrophobia, um, lots of tight uh, static camera work, which is really effective. Um, and then just built up to, well, I was just uh, really impressed with the final sort of half an hour of the film. It was just built up and built up. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the, the ending as well. It was a very surprising ending. Um, but I, I felt it was it was fitting. Yeah, I mean, the ending does get a little bit weird towards there. But I mean, I'm glad. I think I'm just trying to work out if I've got a 3-0 sweep on that one, I think, from Jamie. I think it is. <laughs> You have, yes. I have, have, yeah. Sorry about but, that, Mark. But, but <laughs> Mark, Mark, uh, I do have honourable mentions. I will yeah. put down Room, Silver Linings, Playbook. There were two that just missed out as well. I'll tell you that. Okay. I'm, I'm used to being the consolation prize. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, my number one, uh, I j- just beat Whiplash into number two. It is Almost Famous. Oh, uh, a, film oh, that I, yes. a film that I hadn't heard about at all. I am really surprised that it passed me by. But uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say about that? I really, really enjoyed that. It's probably one of the only ones that I've watched again fairly recently. Um, mm. It's not It's not that I don't like all the others, but it's difficult to get them in when you're obviously trying to watch a, a lot of other stuff. Um, but yeah, I watched that. I've got some honourable mentions, Leaving Las Vegas, LA Confidential, Silver Linings, Playbook, I like those. But my most fun to review was Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> not Grease 2. I've had so much fun off the Top Gun one. Uh, just the amount of people that I pissed off was brilliant. And <laughs> the other mentions that we've got on the VHS Strikes Back and things like that for uh, for doing that. And it, like I say, I honestly do believe that it is only a 7 out of 100 film. I'm not making it up. So there you go. Thank you very much, Jamie, for that question. Uh, I enjoyed that, reminiscing. Mm. I couldn't remember all the ones, actually. I was quite surprised when I was going back through all the episodes. Exactly that I actually got five that I liked. That Nine, Mark 95 given. others you've watched, mate. It's mental, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I, know. I went through them all. I, to be honest, mate, at least 10 of them, I couldn't even remember what they were. You and me so, both. Uh, it's, I had, really... <laughs> it's weird. I was going through the old, other episodes, and I had some main reviews I couldn't remember. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, so Mark, um, do you want to tell everybody how they can get hold of us on social media? Absolutely, you can get us on Twitter or Instagram, which is at movie underscore drone or via email on movie drone podcast at hotmail.com. Thanks very much. Excellent. So, uh, Jamie, I mean, it's nice that you've popped in because uh, it's actually your listener request week this what week. a coincidence anyone would have thought we <laughs> planned it <laughs> so do you want to stay with us for the review of your film i'd love to and okay. uh, speaking about planning this has been very meticulously 
carefully planned because Hateful Eight and The Thing are a double bill. There we are. Yeah, so. pretty much, yeah. yeah. So you gave us a film that's currently 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, is rated X and is deemed a horror mystery sci-fi with a synopsis of a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. A $15 million budget grossing $20 million. This is directed by John Carpenter based on Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr. Starring Kurt Russell, William Brimley, TK Carter, David Clennon, Keith David, Richard Dyson, Charles Hallahan, Peter Maloney, Richard Masur, Donald Moffat and Joel Polis. This was 1982's The Thing. And Jamie, if you want to stay with us, you need to have bought a clip. Of course I brought a clip. We got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be 100 below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. Wants to freeze now got no way out of here. Just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. There you go. Well, you'd be surprised at how many people don't, Jamie. Yeah, it's so, a good uh, clip as well. It sounds like you had to spend at least 15 minutes trawling YouTube <laughs> to find a usable one there. Right. So you're right. We did the hate for late last week. And it's, I mean, we, we mentioned at the end of that that it sort of went like two peas in a pod. So I'm interested. I mean, you gave us a list of films that you would mm. like to do. But so, yeah, you chose a thing. What does the thing mean to you? Well, the thing is the film that I watched. Um, I'm going to have to uh, credit my uh, older sister for this. She um, and her friend were quite big horror fans. Uh, I would have been 12, 13, which seems to be the typical age for for people to first uh, watch a thing. And I just vividly remember watching that for the first time on VHS. And I think what is really important is, you know, this is pre-internet, this is pre-expectation, you know, are you going into a film without any knowledge of it? And uh, it just absolutely blew me away. And it's sort of uh, three films that I really remember as a child watching. Alien, The Fly and The Thing. And all three of them are sort of connected with the sort of, you know, body horror, sort of bio-horror genre. Yeah, it's, it just awakened my my interest in film. And after that, that's when I searched out The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all the other classics and uh, I was away from that point Excellent but, um, so yeah proper yeah. horror buff I mean like I say all three great films would make like a great triple bill at a drive-in or something like that those ones so yeah so Mark over to you what did you think of The Thing? I loved it mate it's still a great classic isn't it? It, it has it been is. a while since I've seen this version I've seen the remake more recently uh, but it mm. made me do a bit of research on it and it wasn't actually that well received when it came out um, hence the small gross figures but it sort of made me realise that 1982 is a big year for things that probably weren't wanted but have turned out to be pretty cool and classical as with The Thing and me of course of course <laughs> and that's why I chose it yeah <laughs> 
I mean, obviously from the start, I actually forgot this time around that you do see the spaceship at the start. Mm. I'd, I'd forgotten that, which I think is um, a little bit of a, uh, it's just a surprise to me every time I watch it. I even like, I mean, this time I noticed it a lot more, the actual opening credits as well, where the, the word, the thing uh, sort of burns into the opening credits um, mm. was just great. And obviously this has influenced so many films not just the hate for late. There's been so many that have been influenced by it. I didn't particularly like the, the spaceship opening, to be honest. And it's it's something that uh, I've got a few quibbles about the film. I felt I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that was forced upon uh, Carpenter as a director. It's similar to the opening of Predator. Yep, yep, um, yep. And I think John McTiernan uh, really was against that. It was something that was forced upon him. And I think, when I last, the last time I watched the thing in preparation for this, I deliberately avoided that opening because right. I don't think it's needed because the film starts off with this, you know, you're thrown right into the action um, with these seemingly crazed Norwegians firing erratically, randomly at this dog. And you think, well, what's going on here? And I don't think there needs to be, you know, the audience tipped off to the, the alien. And I think it just, you know, there's no need for that. Do you think um, maybe it could have been too scary for, uh, I mean, I know that uh, nowadays we're obviously, uh, we've we've seen a lot more horror and it's obviously got more gratuitous and a lot more gory. Mm. Do you think that obviously being very, very sort of um, psychologically based around paranoia, that maybe that they were a bit worried that it would affect people a lot more if they didn't know that it was something that, that wasn't already on earth that that's a good point and i've with my research i was looking at uh, audience responses to this and i mean there's some just horribly personal comments and criticism and i think a lot of it was because the audience were just completely shocked by the the excess and the gore and the film and yeah perhaps that was something that might have been put in quite close to the end of post-production realizing Perhaps, you know, we need to signal to the audience a bit more. That's, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if any of them had known Norwegian or they had a Norwegian with them, they would have heard the person say, get the hell away from that thing. That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. And then we could have had a completely different film, I suppose. It would have been Indeed. a lot shorter. So, it would have been, <laughs> yes. And not quite as satisfying. No, you're right. Um, or if the people on the chopper could have actually shot or threw grenades. I did notice watching it this time that they were throwing grenades out of the wrong side of the helicopter just for theatrical effect rather than actually aiming for it. So, um, Mark? I, I was trying to work out on this one because what I thought, I don't know whether they've tried to do it to be clever or not, but I was confused at points during this one and I found the newer one spoon fed you a bit more. But this one yeah. left you a little bit more confused over things. And there was points when it all seemed to point towards one alien thing. But then there was other points where you thought it could be multiple of them. Um, and it sort of echoed my confusion, echoed their confusion over whether or not there was more than one of them. And I was thinking, was there more than one of them? And I still don't know whether there was more than one of them. I think probably the reason for that is when the appendages got chopped off and they sort of lived themselves. Yeah. For me, watching that, I would have thought that there were multiple. But there was, a, there was a one where he the head come off and then, I mean, they charred the rest of the body and the head come off and then that went to run away and they got the head as well which then made me think, right, there must have been multiple. And I, I was, com I don't know whether it's a plot hole, whether it's cleverly done to, to leave you confused as 
the cast and the I mean not the cast but the actual researchers as confused as they were so we didn't really know what was going on and they didn't really know what was going on even towards the end I think that that adds to the paranoia of the whole thing mate to be honest I think that everybody probably uh, who watches it probably even who starred in it probably didn't understand exactly what was going on for most of it but I've forgotten how creepy the base was um, and I think that I watched it and realised that it definitely was a horror film not a sci-fi film well they, they definitely did film on location in in, uh, in the Antarctica there was definitely a section where you got the exterior uh, shots and that was definitely not in the studio but yes the, the interior was in I think British Columbia and uh, and they deliberately very you know similar to the Exorcist had this had the, the set at a, at a set temperature so you could see the, the breath and everything but I think uh, looking back at this and this, this is another thing that I find it's so rewatchable um, and part of the rewatchability is that you are not spoon fed like the prequel so looking back at it, I think that there appears to be, you know, clearly, you know, several things. So you have obviously initially with the dog, that's the first point where the thing enters the camp. And it looks like you think it's going to uh, potentially assimilate Clark because he's the dog handle and he's with the dog for an hour and a half or so. But you see it one and it's this fantastic dog acting um, as it just, just stops, pauses by doorways, doesn't look at the camera at all. Um, and then... It freezes at one point, seems to stare, and then it enters a room, and you just don't know whose room it is. But uh, I think it's Palmer's room. I think Palmer is the first person to get uh, assimilated. But there's clearly a second source of thing infection because they that go to the Norwegian camp and bring back that horrible twisted body, take it back, um, and they do the autopsy on it. And while after the aut- the autopsy, just prior to Benning's getting assimilated you see the ooze dripping from the boat the, the, the corpse and as an audience you are privy to this you see this before the actors were up until that point you are in the you know the dark just as much as they are but at mm-hmm. that point you know there are multiple things and that just makes it so much more sort of uh, gripping. That's where the paranoia comes from that point onwards as well. So you talked about the uh, the ooze and the, the twisted body. Now, this film, yeah. I think, could have been ruined with practical effects. But, man, it's the one thing in this that I just do not grow tired of. What do you think about those guys? I re- thought this is only a year after American Werewolf in London. And I think, actually... This is another one that rivals it for those special effects and the the actual sort of effort put in to make a decent. I mean, we won't talk about Inseminoid, um, but th- this is this has still got. A f- I mean, the film's definitely of age. It's definitely aged, but I think it's aged well, and I'm still won over by the effects. I don't think, blimey, they look shit now. I still think they hold up pretty well. There's there's obviously stuff like the computer graphics and bits like that where it looks of age, but I still prefer these old type of effects rather than just CGIing the shit out of everything. I, I can admire them just by watching them as well. Absolutely. I would completely agree with that, Sam, and that's one of the major problems with the prequel. The CGI in that film is, is just terrible. And again, when I was looking into this, I found out that um, originally they were planning to go practical. They'd actually, a lot of footage was already shot with practical special effects. And then the studio intervened and ridiculously suggested, get rid of all of that. Let's have CGI. 
the younger generation need to see CGI. So I don't know. They just sometimes they just got no clue, and uh, yeah, and uh, just ruined it. So it, it might have been interesting if it had been practical, but CGI, and also I think it commits a cardinal sin. And this is where thing is special. The prequel thing did spoon feed you. It tried to give you all of the answers, and it took away the intrigue and. That didn't help it at all as well. The special effects, uh, you, you, uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, American Wealth in London. That was a uh, famous Rick Baker who did those effects. And the guy who, was, who did most of the special effects in the thing was a protege of Rick Baker, Rob Bottin. And he was 22 years old when he got the thing job. Amazing. had a good imagination as well. <laughs> Absolutely. He just he worked himself into the ground. He worked himself into a state of exhaustion. He was hospitalised. He put that much effort into it. In fact, the, the infamous dog scene, the initial the horrendous scene that we see the thing, um, that had to be done by Stan Winston, another special effects senior genius, because Bottin was in hospital. And uh, so that, that had to be shopped out to Stan Winston's team who did that uncredited. But um, yeah, the, the special effects are still nearly 40 years on. They hold 38, up. 38, Jeremy, um, 38. It's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. round things up to 40. Thank you very much. I mean, it's great because we've seen so many films that could have been really good, completely ruined by, uh, by poor uh, special effects. So, yeah, I mean, I totally, totally do not get tired of watching those. So Kurt Russell, I think, is great in this. For me, I think he, he does a really good job. Just the way that he sort of holds it all together, I think. I mean, I did notice this time round that, that some of the other characters are a bit stereotypical. Was the, the black guy on roller skates? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not Noel, not <laughs> the chef. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's like I say, it's I just noticed it a little bit more. And then obviously you've got the weird kooky radio operator. And I noticed that a little bit more this time, but I think that all of them were sufficiently written and developed to sort of work with Kurt Russell. I um, yeah. noticed um, Kurt Russell scarily looks like Jason Clark now with when he had his beard. Um, Jason Clark from uh, Everest. Right. Okay. I, I actually thought that if they would have replaced, um, I think it was Joel Edgerton in the prequel, if they would have put Jason Clark in there, right, they, they yeah. might as well, it would have just looked like exactly the same guy. It was scary at points. Well, it, it's uh, interesting you should mention uh, characterization because that was one of the areas that quite a few critics, including Roger Ebert, um, criticised the film for. And I, I, I think it's completely unfair. For example, the, one of the first scenes you're introduced to Russell's character, Mac, and uh, it's a great scene where he's uh, having a drink, playing chess with the only female sort of uh, influence in the film, female voiced uh, chess uh, computer. And uh, he appears to be losing or he, he refuses to lose. And it's something about, it says something about his character. This foreshadows his character that he takes open the, the computer, throws in his drink, destroys the computer, says something about his you know, his self-destructive character. It says something that, you know, he's unwilling to to lose out to anything. And also that the film is going to be a bit of a chess game between uh, these characters. So I think there is characterization there. It's just that some of the critics just didn't seem to see it. I mean, there's I quite the script- a few characters, wasn't there? There's was quite a few to actually mm. try and cram into any backstory or to write a lot about. Um, you had a very yeah. small amount of time. It wasn't a massively long runtime on there, but there still was yeah. quite a lot of characters. Exactly. 
And uh, I think that there was a longer script. There is Bill Lancaster, son of Burt Lancaster, who did the screenplay. There was a longer script, um, but Carpenter, in uh, some post-production, cut out quite a lot of the character development because he felt it was getting in the way of the momentum of the story. And I think he's right. I mean, it's it's a, it's a lean runtime when you consider everything that's they're able to fit into it. There isn't a loose scene in the film, I, I don't think. No, you're right. So uh, let's go on. You mentioned the word there. It's a massively brilliant segue there. Uh, scenes, favourite scenes of the film. I mean, I've got mine. I'm, I mean, my one is probably the one that everyone's going to say anyway, but what's your favourite scene there, Mark? The octopus. Is it? <laughs> okay, you've got the gone for the dog, have you? The octopus. Is it? Just where all his tentacles are coming out. I thought it, I thought it looked really good. Um, I thought the the acting up to that from the dogs was. St- I thought all the dogs looked terrified yeah, when they yeah. put when they put the yeah. other one in there and they didn't know what to make of each other. How they got the dogs to behave like that? Whether it was a natural thing and they just took lots of footage, but just watching them. I mean, they looked in fear, um, and I thought it was great. I thought they deserved a little award of their own. I thought they did brilliant. Jamie, well, I'm going to cheat here a bit, and I'm going to. Probably something that I'm, I'm anticipating, Steve, what you're going to say. I've, I've got a feeling I know what you're going to say. The defibrillator scene, okay. um, which which is the, the central set piece, is just absolutely sensational. And uh, what is particularly brilliant about that scene is that uh, you've got no idea that this is going to happen because Norris is responding to what appears to be a heart attack. And I think what is another interesting thing about the film is that you have to question whether these characters know that they are the thing or not and when they are taken over and clearly Norris has been taken over by this point he's starting to feel his heart but he's responding as if he's you know he's, he's having a heart attack not because he thinks there's something inside of him and this is where you know the thing can perfectly assimilate any individual and it also assimilates injuries or health conditions so it assimilated Benning's leg injury Benin's limps into the into the snow. Yeah. Um, it also simulates Norris's heart condition, and so you're originally thinking, well, this guy's having a heart attack, um, and that is where we're going to get the, the you know the drama of the scene. And you are completely and utterly unprepared for that crazy sequence of events and the brilliant, brilliant special effects from Rob Boutine, um, you know, the, the, the head scene, the spider scene that's then referenced in It's Chapter 2. Did you, did you notice that? Yep. And uh, then, and this is a cheating part, I'm going to suggest that this is one scene, the blood test scene. <laughs> I mean, it is mine. It is mine, it the is. blood test scene. Blood yeah. test scene. Okay, now I'll, I'll let you speak about it, then I'll say a few things. Well, no, I mean, for me, it's uh, just the suspense that he manages to generate. So you get the, they're obviously all tied up. And, and what he manages to do by diverting all of the attention to Gary, uh, which is who McCready is actually thinking is the one that, um, that that is the thing, you all take your eyes off of what they're doing and you take their, your eyes for a second off of the sample he's testing. And then all yeah. of a sudden, bang, Palmer starts shaking and we get probably, um, for me, I, my favourite practical effect scene as well. Um, and it's just the way that he generates that suspense and then 
misdirects you and then smashes you in the face, much um, like the defibrillator scene where it's that surprise. For me, it's just an amazing scene. Yeah, and uh, I do appreciate, though, even with these two really stressful, traumatic, brilliant scenes, there are moments of, you know, black comedy in them as well, which 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 releases the tension. So you have the first scene, Palmer's, you know, you got to be kidding me line. But my favourite line is at the end of that blood test scene <laughs> where you have, I think it's it's Charles who is uh, the penultimate one. Um, you find out that he he's clean and uh, he get he, you know he jumps up and says, "Get me out of here! Get me out of here! Get me away from him!" And then finally you have Gary tested and he's clean. And then he just delivers this brilliant section. <laughs> I, I understand you guys are really tired and stressed. <laughs> I'd really appreciate if I could get off this fucking couch. Uh, it's, it's just just brilliant love it yep so um i mean there are some theories obviously around the thing it's been much discussed one of yep. them is the eye gleam theory people trying to uh, think about who is I- infected and who isn't i don't mm. know if um i don't know if you've had a look into that have you actually watched the film at all trying to look into that or, or not uh, mark or jamie didn't know anything about it, mate, if I'm honest. I just watched the film to enjoy it. It's, it's not Was one it? that... It, I wouldn't say, like, this is right up the top of my thing. Some movies I get obsessed with. I'm happy just watching this one every few years on or get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Okay. I mean, it, it's a lot of fan theories and stuff mm. like that. It's one of those. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, Jamie. Have you looked at it? Um, well, I can take it both ways. I mean, I, I can just enjoy the film as an experience. I do appreciate the elements where you can go back and work out, you know, who is, who, whether the uh, Blair is uh, assimilated when he's going berserk in that room and all of the other sort of misdirections and the ending. I presume we'll, we will speak about the ending. Oh, I mean, let's go into the ending. I mean, it's sort of goes part and parcel because there are some sort of fan theories and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's very ambiguous. So there are theories about whether McCready or Childs were actually the thing at the end or whether both of them are or whether none Mm -hmm. of them were. Fan theories about um, whether McCready had tricked him into drinking gasoline in the whiskey bottle or the smile at the end that McCready gives people saying that he knows that he's the thing. So what is the ending all about? What do you know? Does anybody know? I don't think it matters. And that's because the ending, the ending is just the perfect way. I, I couldn't see any other ending, really. You know, I can I can see there's uh, there's a case to suggest that Charles is potentially the thing. Some people say that you can't see his breath at particular points, but looking at that, then, you know, Bennings, you clearly see his breath when he's been assimilated. And uh, I was lucky enough to watch this on a, a really good restored print from Arrow. You can clearly see his breath at the end. So that's that debunks that. The gasoline okay. one, I don't think that's the case at all. You can clearly see that, you know, uh, Mac drinks from it as well. I don't, really don't think it's gas. I personally think they're both human at the end. Me too. Um, uh, do you? Yeah. yeah I've, well, they're too close near fire, aren't they? Neither of them showed any fear of any of the fire. Yeah. And they're just quite happy and quite comfortable there to freeze to yeah. death and if one of them was and one of them wasn't it's a one-on-one situation you might as well get stuck in you know sit there do you <laughs> I don't exactly. think any of them expect to get out of it at the end, no. if I'm honest. No. I mean, exactly. any, any outcome is is not good for any of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, 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 um, they discussed that before. They say that, you know, you know, they basically almost have like a suicide pact saying that, you know, we're not going to get out of this. We just have to make sure we're fighting for the world here, basically. We can't let this thing escape. We have to destroy it, whatever it takes. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't got much more to say. I don't know if anyone wants to add anything. I mean, for me, it's just a, a great look at paranoia and how paranoia can spread. I just think it's one of those films that you can watch and it actually makes you wonder what you would do in that situation. That's what it actually gives around, to me. Mate. That's what I thought. <laughs> when they say they need the flamethrower, I'm there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't know. Closing statements, then. Um, so I just m- wanted to cover the score. Okay, yes, so did I. Um, yeah. And it, okay. there was there was one interesting fact I found out about the score, as well as it being nominated for a Razzie. Ah, uh, I've only you, your you, fact, you've, have I? You've stolen my trivia. Some unused <laughs> music that was composed for this film was actually used in the Hateful Eight. Was it? An absolute direct link to it. That actually some had been rejected from this. And is it Morricone? Correct. Put it in Hateful Eight. Actually had thing music in it. How's that? Mm -hmm. I understand that, yes, Morricone's score, which is essentially him imitating John Carpenter, which I think is great, was um, awarded for a Razzie. 1983. And then, yes, unused tracks from that were then used in uh, Hateful Eight, which then went on to receive an Oscar for Best Original Score, mm. which is which is fantastic. I wanted to say a little bit about the Hateful Eight and Tarantino uh, yeah, connection. And I've got a little quote here from Tarantino, where he said that the thing was probably the one movie of all the individual films I've seen that influenced Reservoir Dogs the most. Because in some ways, it is the same idea. You have a bunch of guys trapped in a situation that they can't get out of, in a very claustrophobic situation where nobody can trust anybody. It scared the living hell out of me. The tension and the anxiety and the claustrophobia and the fear and the distrust that was running around those men came straight out into the movie theatre. Now, what we've discussed a little bit is that Hateful Eight just appears to be a bit of a love letter to Carpenter's a thing. There's so many parallels and, of course, Kurt Russell in both films that he gave a copy of the thing to everyone, I presume, apart from Kurt Russell to watch and any Morricone connection. So um, I just I just thought that was really interesting. I would like to say a little bit about how the film was received, if I can. Go for it. This film was received so harshly, one reviewer called Carpenter a pornographer of violence, which is just ridiculous. Uh, one magazine said, is this the most hated film of all time? Ow. The actual sort of vitriol from the cr- critical reception was just just unbelievable. I think everyone had the last laugh. I mean, it was uh, it's two hundred and something in the IMDb top two fifty of all time, yeah. so it's still sitting in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, uh, it ruined Carpenter's career. He had a three picture deal with Universal. They decided to buy him out purely based on the the box office of the thing. And he was just you know typical Hollywood. You're you're only as good as your last picture. He was thrown to the wilderness. He did end up doing a, a Stephen King adaptation Christine after that but it was something that you know he just he just had he accepted as a job he didn't particularly want it and I always sort of think what could have been he was 26 years old I personally view it as his masterpiece you can tell him a bit of a carpenter nut don't you (laughs) (laughs) it is his masterpiece and uh, I just think you know what could have been for me it's a great film we'll go on to scores now so are you ready to score it Jamie you know the scoring system Mark's stupid scoring system don't you I I do indeed you do yeah Um, so let's 
here for, should we hear from Mark first? So he's get him out of the way. What, what do you think, Mark? What's your score? For 81, mate. 81? 81. Bang on IMDb there, mate. Is so, it? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah they, they've got it written down, yeah. They do it as a sensible out of 10. So they've got 8.1 yeah, out of 10. Then. I genuinely, I've, even though I've written it there, I genuinely didn't think of that. But yeah, 81. Probably a little bit light, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Let's see what Jamie's um, got. What you got, Jamie, for The Thing? Oh, this is a big. film that... It's going to be big. Well, I'm going to have to explain this. This film, for a film to be a masterpiece, it has to pass certain sort of criteria. I feel it has to pass the test of time. You get so many people saying, you know, maybe the latest Nolan film or this is a modern classic. This is a modern masterpiece. I think it has to pass the test of time to be considered a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. This film, nearly 40 years old, it still has the same impact, I would argue, than it had in 1982. You can't necessarily say that same thing about other films. I think the themes are timeless. I think it has universal impact. As said, endlessly rewatchable. I have a couple of quibbles with it. I don't. I told you I didn't like the spacecraft opening. You know, why would you need uh, flamethrowers at a scientific area? So because of that, I can only give it 98. Oh. Do you know, I've been, for the last like, minute, I've been frantically going through my phone for a Claxton sound effect and I couldn't find it anyway because I thought we was going to hit 100 then. I was just going to set a Claxton off. But 98, that's Lime. the biggest movie drone score ever, that. It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well done. I mean, I've got 85. Um, for me, it, it is one of the horror greats. It doesn't quite probably get as many as some of the ones that I've watched a bit more, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. I'm a bit more mm-hmm. of a gore hound, more of a slasher person. But, yeah, for me, I can still watch it all the time. It, it is one of the horror greats. Totally agree. So some very high scores there. Yeah, I enjoyed re-watching right. that. Thank you for bringing that one along. Yeah, thank you very much, Jamie. So, uh, also watched. Uh, has anyone watched anything else? I've got a few, mate. Okay. I'll run for them quickly. I watched The Haunting in Connecticut. Okay. Again, not right. as good as I remember. 68, I've got on that. Um, I know what you did last summer. Not as good as I remember. I've got 60 on that. Right. Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. As good as I remember. 74 Which, on that. Original? No, please. remake. Oh, you fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, mate. And first time ever watch of John Q. Denzel Washington. I had a bit of a Denzel off last night. Never <laughs> seen that one before. Quite enjoyed that. Got 76 on that. It's quite good. Okay. Quite a little bit of motion right. at some points. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Well, always do, mate. Yeah. Always do, don't you? Jamie, have you watched anything else? I, I have, but uh, I forgot to put scores down on them. But I'll, 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 I can come up with something close to it. I, I did actually watch The Guest which is Mark's homework. Did you? Um, okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, okay. I'd be intrigued to see what uh, Mark says about it. Um, I enjoyed it. I, gave, I would give that in the 80s, 81, 82. Okay. Um, I saw Silver Lang's playbook. Didn't quite go in my top top three, but I really enjoyed that. I'll give that uh, top 70s. I saw Tully. Okay, I've got that on my planner. I've not watched that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, one of the reasons why I really wanted to watch it is um, I have an autistic uh, younger daughter and part of the mother daughter no it's actually mother, a son who has clearly he has some sort of uh, quite severe autism um, and it's how she was sort of dealing with that as a, as, as a new mother um, I thought there's some really interesting stuff there it's good um, I enjoyed the first half of it perhaps more than the second half but it's, it's worth checking out I'll give that 75 mm-hmm. I watched Into the Wild I okay. really enjoyed that right. 
yeah, really good film. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. I did know about the story beforehand, so there wasn't any, anything to surprise me. But I thought it was, it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Payne is a, is, a, is a really good director. I give that uh, 80, uh, 85. Okay. And uh, I've spoken about being a little falcon and, and a thunder road and, all, and those as well. Oh, I saw okay. It Follows. Oh, yeah. It yeah. Follows. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, really good concept. Uh, some really sort of creepy, unsettling scenes. Uh, I'll give that uh, 72. Okay, blimey. Same, same, um, same actress as the guest, isn't it? Micah Monroe. Mm. I've watched Just Go With It, which had Jennifer Aniston in a bikini. So we've got 100 on that. <laughs> I've watched Dead Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Deadpool 2 I'm not changing that score that's staying at 100 I'm, 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 not, jo- I'm not joking um, what, what, what's the name of that what's the name of that film again Stephen <laughs> just go with it uh, We're the Millers is a, a little bit better that's 101 for that one but, um, so yeah Dead, I've just watched a few uh, superhero films Deadpool 2 got 75 on that I mean it's fairly fun Spider-Man 3 72 I mean I can just sit and watch a few of these Endgame, I watched the game, 83 on that. I've just watched a few, just in the background, really. You're able to do other stuff when a superhero film's on, aren't you? And then yeah, uh, I've, been watching, I've been starting to watch some documentaries, so there might be some documentaries. I'm including them because they are films. Um, I watched Marathon, the Patriots Day bombing, which is a really good documentary, actually. I'm going to give that 74. So there might be some uh, documentaries coming. I've started watching a very weird one called Honeyland, which is uh, a film about a Macedonian woman who keeps bees. Uh, It's crazy but amazing at the same time. So uh, I'll let you know about that. That sounds awesome, mate. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's quite good. Well, there we go. Right, that's uh, that's there's, basically the main remix. Is, is there one more thing I can talk about? Yeah. Have, have either of you heard that looks like the thing is going to be remade by Blumhouse? Uh, I hadn't, no. And uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've, we've had some hit and misses with Blumhouse. Uh, I watched Fantasy Island the other day, which was oh, absolutely terrible, appalling. Terrible. But then we've obviously had uh, some some others recently that we really enjoyed. I would worry about the budget that they would throw at that and what new ideas you could actually bring to it. We've had a remake or whatever you said, a prequel. And, and even though I don't mind it, it's still never going to live up to the original. No. So a bit of a waste of time for me. What interests me with this one is that um, I think he did do a good job with Halloween. He brought in, you know, original characters. He brought back Carpenter's score. I think that they've found extra chapters from the original novella uh, that was based on. So there's new material. I've heard that they've cast Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, in the in the mm. lead role as well, oh, okay. yeah. So I think if it's treated respectfully, um, they know. Well, I think Blumhouse understands the the fans and fandom of it. If he does it properly, it might be interesting. Let's say I'm intrigued. We'd go. I won't see go any it. further than that. Yeah, yeah we'd go and see any old shit. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you'll, you'll be coming on to discuss that one then. I'd love to. So there we go. Thank you very much, Jamie, for first and foremost for the question. Secondly, for coming on and talking about the film. And thirdly, and more importantly, for actually um, staying along with uh, listening to us. It's uh, it's really nice to uh, to know that there is someone listening. Pleasure. And I will tell you that one thing that is unique about your podcast is that, um, and I listen to lots of podcasts, 
bad um, impressions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you cover so many films. I think that's really important. Sometimes I don't listen to podcasts if there's a film that I haven't seen. And I, I know that the podcasters will just do that, that film and only that film where you cover a wide range of films in the homework round as well as the extra uh, damage as well so you offer something unique i think excellent and we offer thank you Mike. really bad impressions which is just <laughs> the favorite bit of it but no so thank you very much for that thanks very much for sticking with us and please keep interacting with us we will certainly be speaking to you soon it's very um, very much appreciated it is very 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 much indeed so thank you very much my friend thank you very much for inviting yeah. me on i really appreciate it Thank All you the best, so guys. Much. Yeah. Take care, mate. See you later, Cheers, Jamie. you too. Bye, bye. bye. Thanks very much to Jamie for coming along. Um, absolutely uh, wonderful re- review we had there. And, uh, yeah, and a great question to boot. Big score, big score. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big score. It was a big score. Wasn't it, just? Right, okay, mate. So do you want to move on to the next section? Yes, mate, quickly. This is the section that we like to call Homework. homework. I don't know if that was. Uh, it sounds perfect to where I am, mate. Does it? Because yeah. actually, it said you said it about two seconds after I did, even on oh, this one. Nice. Right, okay. This is the section where we give each other films that the other one hasn't seen and the hope of uncovering hidden gems and films for Jamie mm. to watch as well. So, what did you give me? Don't watch this one, Jamie, but this was a film that's currently 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb is an 18, one hour, 32 minutes build as a crime drama history with a synopsis of a beautiful computer technician starting off her career in Silicon Valley during the 80s, is stalked and harassed by a nerdy, dangerous and mentally unstable colleague with a twisted obsession. Starring Richard Thomas and Brooke Shields, this is a TV movie of a true story of stalking. Um, This is 1993's Stalking Laura, a.k.a. Fatal Proposal, a.k.a. I Can Make You Love Me. It is indeed. Loved it, mate. Thought you would, mate. 98? Of course I fucking didn't. It's a TV movie with Brooke Shields, for fuck's sake. Aren't they amazing? What the fuck you tall? I mean, first of, first off, right, it's supposed to be 4K restored, right? Yep. I mean, it didn't particularly look it. No. Why the fuck would you choose to restore this? Out of all the why would you go, do you know what? I'm looking for something to restore. That's oh, what made mate. me watch it, if I'm honest. Let's do stalking, Laura. I saw it and I was like, oh, 4K restored. Let's give that a go. That looks... And then uh, sat there watching it again. Ooh. I know. It's an half-assed job. It doesn't even look like they've achieved no, it. It's, it's crazy. Um, I noticed the continuity errors to start with when she was driving the car and the cuffs of her blouse kept mm. sort of like disappearing. And the Least of its things. problems, mate. Least of it its problems. <laughs> I mean, it looks like the sort of thing you'd find on the Hallmark channel, but it what did actually get a little bit too dark, I think, for Hallmark for a Tuesday afternoon by the <laughs> yeah. end of it. Uh, so, um, and it actually ran like a reconstruction of Crime Watch. Now, for everyone in uh, the States uh, or anywhere else, uh, our listeners from Senegal, Australia, or whatever, if you hadn't heard of Crime Watch, it is basically reconstructions on a TV show of real-life crimes. And this is what it felt like to me, like a robbery of a handbag in Hackney. 
and <laughs> and yeah, it just starts going along and ticking off all the boxes that it has that it actually needs to do, bringing in the characters and and ticking all those off just at a pace, but not at a pace that sort of sped the film up. I think I was expecting it to nearly be at the end and I was like 30 minutes in, uh, which was really weird. The bloke's not subtle, is he? No. I mean, he stands outside our house taking photographs. <laughs> the present was my favourite bit. <laughs> I know. And at times like this, I sort of think to myself, it's supposed to be based on a true story. Now, surely there can't be, this cannot be how the way that it went down. Surely, oh, d- d- this surely is Hallmark of, have done something. Yeah, this is part of why I gave it to you, because there's certain behaviours and things in there that the, that are in today's times, you would just be like, this is fucking nuts. But it's a true story and it's happened. And like, yeah, I, what the fuck? I know he must have taken a bit of artistic license on it because I can't see that he, he was just stand, standing there taking photos of her outside the house. It was mad. The old school HR department made me laugh. Oh, um, brilliant. Bl- blaming her for, yeah. for smiling. I mean, I think it was like that at the time yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a throwback to it. So that bit might be fairly true. And the timeline I found a little bit confusing. I think that, so listen, what actually happened was I actually thought it was so absurd that I did Google the, the actual real life story <laughs> okay. during it, right? Yeah. Now I did ruin it for myself, right? Yeah. But only slightly before the film ruined it for me anyway. Yeah. So I ruined it for myself and I was like, oh shit, that's the way that it's going. Just before the emphasis switched from her to him and we got him completely going off the rails and sitting in HR meetings saying he was going to come back with a gun and kill everyone if they fired him. I mean, obviously I'd ruined it for myself so because I saw that it was actually a shooter yeah. at the end of it. But then he ruined it for me by basically telling me what he was going to do. Yeah. And then obviously we'd get a a, what I can only describe as a U-rated mass shooting where you shoot don't com- really... Shoot computers rather than people, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, overall, shouldn't be laughing because I think obviously the, the, the film is the story of probably the first in its kind. Mm. Uh, and that's why it was probably made. So yeah, shouldn't really laugh about it. But yeah, I don't know. I just can't see that it happened how it was. I'll Someone say, would have just... surely reported him and, and put him away, even in in the 80s or wherever it was 70s or whatever surely they would have just put him away and reported him to the police it was just so like you say i think the reason i gave it to you is it just seems so absurd that when it got to the end and said this is based on a true story i was like i've got to give this this." i know it's not a good film but it is just absolute nutcakes and then turns up and goes this is pretty much based not like an adaptation this is based on true events and i was like jesus yeah i think it must be loose i think they must have taken a bit of artistic license because it was nuts i can't give it a good score I'm mate. i really can't i could i've given it 27 i'll take it's it it's not it's not the worst thing i mean it was, no. it was funny because in its absurdity so it was interesting uh, as it was one of the first cases of shooting, but it's way too TV oh, yeah. to tell I'm not sure, mate, but I'm glad I gave it, it to Okay, mate. Okay, right. So thanks for that. Uh, that's one for Jamie. So moving on, uh, I gave you a 2014 film directed by Adam Wingard, starring Dan Stevens, Maker Monroe, Leyland Orser, Sheila Kelly, Brendan Meyer and Lance Reddick. Running time of 100 minutes with a budget of $5 million. Box office of $2.4 million. 6.7 on IMDb, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes with a synopsis of a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their home, a series of accidental deaths seem to be connected to his presence i gave you 2014's the guest yeah you did 
little gem, isn't it? Yeah, do you like that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not going to shock anyone with a 98, but it's a nice little gem of a film. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Really enjoyed it. Um, I like the main character. I like the way the guy played him. And I think that's the thing because it's he's not a likable character, but he plays such a likable character. If yeah. you get what I mean, yeah, he's exactly. totally you do believe in him. You, you don't know where the film's going to go, as far as I'm concerned. I, I still don't know exactly it. where it went because it's right. all like, <laughs> it's the lack of blinking almost made him feel a bit robotic. And right. it, I think he'd put a lot of thought into his mannerisms and any, everything like that um, and what he was doing with his body. And it was almost robotic, but they never really explain what it was because they've been a test subject, but it doesn't really explain his full capabilities. Mm-hmm. I, I know he was military, but he, he was almost a not quite Terminator upgradey, but he had that sort of feel about him. But, do you know what I mean? It's like the people are attacking him and suddenly he's like, fwah, fwah, fwah. he's in the bar and he's got the bloke, the cocktail scene when he buys all the boys' cocktails. Yeah, and yeah. then that's the first real moment when he goes batshit. But I really enjoyed it. Um, my favourite performance was actually from Micah Monroe. I thought she did a great job at actually changing her character as she went through the film. So she started off sort of angsty teen and then she sort of semi had a little crush on him. Then that was... Who, who wouldn't, eh? And then it, well, then it sort of went to crush suspicion. Then it went to suspicion, almost hatred. It was just weird and she was really going through the motions with that and I really enjoyed it. I felt very uncomfortable with, between some of the scenes between the husband and the wife. Uh, the dinner table, when he's sitting at the dinner table and they're talking about him up the hallway, it did very well at making me feel sorry for him without knowing what he was previously although he had that suspicion about him and i liked the humor that was littered through it i thought there was a fair amount of funny bits in there that actually made me laugh i don't know whether they were supposed to but it says it's billed as an action crime drama but i thought it had more of a thriller feel to it yeah I, yeah i, thought, yeah, I don't right. really know and i thought like i say overall i've got the main guy did a great job at playing the cold guy with almost emotionless if polite killing of the mum and dad, but seemed to hold some emotion towards the son, which almost broke the character slightly. And there was points where I thought with the young lad, whether or not they was going to build some sort of weird bond. And then to leave it open-ended like that, I was like, I think that character might have some legs in it. Okay. I don't. I'm, I mean, it, it hasn't. It hasn't, no, because I don't <laughs> think it did very well at the box office, but <laughs> it, they sort of left it open. And I think if it would have been more a success, they could have, put some bit more into it but i was happy with it mate okay i got 77 good. on it okay that's good yeah i've not that's quite good. gone up to what jamie say 81 something like that but was 70, it okay. yeah, 77 i thought it was a decent watch mate thoroughly okay. enjoyed it oh i'm pleased thank I'm pleased you about that mate. color palette no was very good as well like that <laughs> did you yeah. so what you got for me next week then mate i've got you a film that is currently four Point nine out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> they are having a laugh, mate. This is an 18, two hours, eight minutes build as a drama with a synopsis of Nomi, a young drifter, arrives in Las Vegas to become a dancer and soon sets about clawing and pushing her way to become top of the Vegas showgirls. Starring Elizabeth Berkeley, Carl McLaughlin and Gina Gershon with $45 million budget grossing 20. This was 1995's Showgirls. See, I'm torn on this one because I listened to the Cinema Recall episode on this and it intrigued me to want to watch it. But then you look at everything else about it, the IMDb score and the reviews Mm. and stuff, and it puts you off watching it. So uh, thank you You very much, mate. I mean, I'm sure... No, I'm sure I shall... uh, Well, I should give my honest opinion on that one next week. As you always do. 
I do. Okay, so I'm going to give you a 2018 film directed by Alex Garland, starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Novotny and Oscar Isaac. Running time of 115 minutes with a budget, it says 40 to 55 million. I'm not sure how they don't know. With a box office of 43.1 million, 6.9 on IMDb, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a synopsis of a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. This this is 2018's Annihilation. So mm, this is one I've that I've watched. I've seen this one floating around, mate. Yeah, this is one that I watched a bit of and didn't really get into and then gave it another chance while I was ill. And uh, I found it interesting the second time. So while she was nearly unconscious with a fever, you warmed to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Terrific. Probably, yeah. I look forward to this. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so yeah, let's see. I mean, I certainly found it weird, uh, but, um, but you know, I like a bit of weird, so let's see yeah. if you do. Cool. All right then, mate. That's excellent. So uh, on to next week's main. It mm. is a listener request still. Who is gracing us with this choice? You've got no idea. You've got the spreadsheet. You do the spreadsheet. You've turned into this like planning guru and like, no, <laughs> it's fucking laughable. Right. <laughs> the film for next week is... Lee, yeah, with natural born killers. <laughs> yes, mate. Oh dear. Okay, Here we no. are. Smashed it. Planning, schmanning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Lee. So uh, yeah, Lee, Lee. So we'll see. Cool. See if Lee wants to come on mm. discuss natural born killers. Uh, it's entirely up to him mm. uh, whether he wants to or not. But yeah, thanks very much for choosing that, Lee. Mm. Looking forward Great to watching choice. it. Or oh, is it? <laughs> So, uh, mate, do you want to reiterate how people can get us on social media? Absolutely. You can get us on Twitter or Instagram, which is at movie underscore drone or via email on movie drone podcast at hotmail.com. Excellent. You can indeed. We're running a bit longer than normal mm. tonight. So hopefully people will enjoy the new dynamic of having a guest. And hopefully people have got like a 90 minute commute. Rather yeah. Than yeah, everyone's, everyone's back to work now, aren't they? Got plenty of they time. Are, yeah, yeah, lots of uh, lots of stuff going on. People going back, traffic getting bad, me getting angry in the car. The economy cetera, collapses. Coronavirus doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I didn't mind. I, I had a nice journey to work for yeah. a few weeks. So yeah, that's good. it was nice, wasn't it? Right, okay, mate. So that's it. That's mm. it for another week. Yeah. Right. Thank you to Emma. Thank you to Jamie. Oh, thank, thank you. you to Honestly, yourself. Honestly, Emma, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jamie. You've done all right, I suppose. Thanks. <laughs> right, okay. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, Mark. See you later, See everybody. Later. See Bye. you. Bye bye. better laugh at this because this is especially for you hey steve i was on my phone the other day using siri and i said hey siri surely it's not going to rain tomorrow and it's that's about the only time your series ever worked properly fucking <laughs> 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 idiot <laughs> said hey siri surely it's not going to rain tomorrow and it replied it will be sunny and don't call me shirley must take it off airplane mode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny to me. But apparently no, it might be for you. <laughs> I mean mildly. mildly. I mean mildly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. I mean at least I get it. Cool. That's that's good. That's I didn't. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Fuck off then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
You're the knob tonight. That's all I, I could just hear you fucking. <laughs> oh, dear. And it, you might as well do it again. I'll just have to cut that at the end. Go on. Well, the whole thing. Yeah. I was using Siri the other day, and I said to it, Hey, Siri, surely it's not going to... You have to turn it off. I don't know how to turn it off. Hang on. We'll just turn the phone off. I don't know how. I've never turned it off. Hang on. I'm not editing this till Sunday. This might not come out till about 10 o'clock at night.